Uh, we are in the last week of our series that we've been calling Simple Life Relationships for Dummies. And if you're here this weekend for the first time, you are catching it on the tail end. Here's the good news. Uh, all of the previous messages are available at gethope.net. And if, if you have no life, absolutely nothing to do, you can't sleep at night, you may want to check those out. But if you've been with us since the beginning, you know that we began our series by talking about the fact that we all have relational rules that we live by when it comes to how we treat one another. Now, we would never list these rules or we wouldn't, we wouldn't put these on, on the wall like we would do the Ten Commandments. But the reality is we have all of these relational rules that we live by, rules like do unto others as they deserve to be done unto, right? We do that one. Or do unto others as they do unto you. It's kind of tit for tat. They had it coming. They did it to me first. Or here's my favorite, do unto others before they do unto you. In other words, don't wait for them. Get the upper hand. You know, Don't let them catch you by surprise. But we all have these relational rules that we've lived by. But what we're learning in this series is this, that as Christians, God has given us this brand new lens through which to view our relationships. This is what God basically says. Here's the rule. Do unto others as I have done unto you. That's what God says. Treat the people in your life the way that I have treated you. God would say, as, as I have unconditionally forgiven you, I now want you to unconditionally forgive the people in your life. To which we respond, but wait a second, God, they're just not very forgivable. To which God responds, yeah, and neither were you. And to which we respond is, oh yeah, that's right, you know. So as I, I want you to forgive as I've forgiven you. I want you to accept one another as I've accepted you. I want you to serve one another as I've served you. I want you to encourage one another as I have encouraged you. In other words, we're to look at each other through the lens, regardless of what's going on, my responsibility, my calling as a follower of Jesus Christ by God is to treat you the way God has treated me. Now let me tell you what the key to living this way is. We have to become so laser focused, not on the people in our lives. We have to become so laser focused on what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We have to become so laser focused on that, that out of gratitude to God, in turn, we treat others the way that God has treated us. And if you're here this weekend and, and you would identify yourself as a follower as, of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, but you have a hard time forgiving, accepting, serving, encouraging certain people in your life, the odds are that you're so focused on those people, some of whom I am sure are very dysfunctional, some of whom I'm sure are screwed up. You're so focused on some of these people, some of whom I am sure have hurt you deeply, but you're so focused on these people that you've lost sight of this incredible invitation that has been extended to us to be in a relationship with God. And that's why you remember the first week Paul said in Ephesians 5, live a life worthy of your calling. Live a life worthy of this invitation that, that has been extended to you to be in a relationship with God. So that's what we're talking about in this series. And then to make matters worse, this week we come to the S word. We're going to talk about submission. It's a bad word. It's so bad, I didn't have the guts to put it in the title. We called it humility. We dummied it down a little bit because I knew once it got to the website, and some of you, let's be honest, you're kind of shallow. If you went to the website, what's Mike preaching on this week? Oh, he's preaching on submission. I ain't submitting to nobody. See, I know how you guys think. I ain't going to church, right? It's one of those words. And so we just kind of called it humility this week. But it's a scary word, especially for children. Uh, for children, children too, but especially for women. And it's because men have just, we've just abused this word so much, you know. In fact, there's a lot of, a lot of you guys here, you heard, a, you heard a message somewhere 
where a pastor says something about a verse where wives submit to your husbands. That's become your life verse. You couldn't find that verse if your life depended on it. But you know it's in the Bible somewhere, so you constantly, hey, honey, you just need to know it's in there. you got to submit to me, right? By the way, I like to remind husbands that the first word in that, that verse is wives. Wives. And they're like, well, what's your point? Well, my point is it's not written for you. It's written for your wife. You shouldn't even read that verse. Just ignore it. It's not for you, right? But before you get to that verse in Ephesians chapter 5, so there's a hint where it is, guys. Before you even get to that verse about wives submitting to their husbands, which is in the context, a bigger context of relationships, Paul gives us a bigger picture. He says this, everybody, everybody, as Christians, everybody submit to one another. Let me show you the verse. If you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, the book of Ephesians was originally a letter that the apostle Paul wrote from prison to a group of Christians in Ephesus. If you ever get a chance to visit Ephesus, the ruins there are incredible. You can still see the arena where Paul addressed the people of Ephesus. You ought to try to get there sometime. You can't live there. You can't stay overnight there anymore, but great, great ruins. But he wrote to these Christians who were living in Ephesus, and this is what he said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says this, submit to who? Yeah, submit to one another. And the word submit simply means this, place yourself under someone else's authority or, or to submit yourself to. In other words, I'm to submit myself to your authority. You're to submit yourself to my authority. In our relationships, I'm to put you first and you're to put me first. Now, here's the problem with submitting to one another. We just don't want to do it. And I'm no different than you are. I mean, I'll be honest. I, want to, I would much rather be the boss and have you submit to me. After all, I'm right. I mean, isn't that the way we feel? Isn't it true we all think, every one of us, we all think the world would be a better place if everybody was like me? Don't we think that? Don't we think the world would be more balanced if everybody could just see life the way we see it? So since we feel that way, I don't want to submit to you and you don't want to submit to me. And then this idea of submitting to your family, I mean, good gracious, it just sends chills up and down your spine. You're like, Mike, if I were to submit to my family, if I were to put my family first, I would be totally taken advantage of. If I were to put my family first, they would walk all over me. In fact, some of you have already tried this. You got married and maybe you heard a message or you read a book and you tried to put your spouse first. But you ended up leaving the marriage because, see, you did all of the submitting and they did all of the dictating. You tried to serve them. You tried to put them first. And they were like, well, thanks, you know. And they just sat there and they just took it, but they never did anything in return. And eventually it just wore you out. So based on the fact that some of us have tried this, based on the fact that we're basically selfish, there's something to us when we come to a verse about everybody submitting to one another where we seem to respond, well, thank you, God, but I'm just going to pass on this submit stuff. What else you got? Because I've tried it and it just doesn't work. See, this is why the second half of this verse is so powerful. And once again, Paul, he takes our attention off of the people around us because that's where we tend to focus. And he makes us focus on why we're supposed to do this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for the people in your life. He doesn't say that, does he? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so Paul, as he's writing this letter, he basically says this. Listen, guys. I'm not asking you to submit to one another because one another is worth submitting to. I'm asking you to submit to one another 
simply because it shows your respect and your reverence for your Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, when I put you first in my life and you don't deserve it, or you put me first in your life and, and I don't deserve it, every time we do that, every time we live that way, make that kind of decision, it reflects on our reverence for what Christ did for us as Christians 2,000 years ago on the cross. And then Paul comes along and he writes this letter and he says, you got to understand, this should be the habit of your life. As Christians, in your relationships, it always should be about others first. Not because the other person deserves it. Not because by submitting, you may get something out of it. That's not the reason. You do it out of reverence for your Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know what you think when you hear that because I know what I think when I hear this. See, immediately we go here. Wow, Mike, if, if, but if, if you could just hear my story, I'd get a pass. If you just understood my situation, if you just understood how complicated this relationship is, Mike, you would understand that I would be the exception. And it's because, see, we look at our relationships with all of the dysfunction and we think, really? Submit? You've got to be kidding but see, God doesn't say, I want you to submit out of reverence for the irreverent people in your life. He says, I'm asking you to do it out of reverence for me. Now, here's the big question. What's this connection between reverence for Christ and submission to people in our lives? What's the connection? Well, if you turn over a couple of pages, it's actually one page in my Bible, to Philippians chapter 2. Paul expounds on what it means to submit to one another. He actually gives us an idea of what this would look like in our lives. So if you have your Bible, turn over a couple of pages, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, the book of Philippians was also a letter that Paul wrote. He wrote to the Christians in Philippi. Now it's become the book of Philippians, very creative in our Bible. And, and, and Paul knew that these people in Philippi, they felt the same way about each other that we sometimes feel about each other. So he has some things he wants to say to them about relationships. And in Philippians chapter 2, he addresses the very same topic that we just looked at in Ephesians chapter 5. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. Very familiar passage if you've been in church for a while. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. See, right away we're checking out. Because that's not even realistic. You would never accomplish anything in life. You would never promote yourself. You would never be able to climb up the corporate ladder if you did nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Who goes into a job interview and says, you know what, you really ought to hire that person. They're better than me. You don't do that. You've got to present yourself in the best light. It's all about getting ahead. It's all about moving forward. He says, don't do that. He says, rather in humility, see, there is our word, right? In humility, value others above yourself. You know what Paul is saying there? He's saying, think about a person that you would meet in society and you would just be in awe of them and the respect that you would just naturally give them because of who they are. It could be a, could be a movie star. It could be a professional athlete. It could be a politician. You may have to search for a while, but it could be a politician. It could be. But I mean, just out of awe, just the immediate respect. Now, Paul says, that's the way I want you to treat people in your life. He says this basically, hey, if you're married, treat your spouse better than you treat yourself. If you're a parent, treat your kids better than you treat yourself. If you're a kid, treat your parents better than you treat yourself. If, if, if you're a boss, you treat your employees better than you treat yourself. And we hear that and we're like, I am so sure that's going to happen. 
But understand, that's what it means to submit. It means you treat people in your life as if they're better than you are. Now, they're not better than you are, but you treat them as if they are. And then he says this in verse 4. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, there's two ways that we respond to that verse. First of all, those of, of us who have been in church all of our lives, like, because we've heard it so many times and it's made no difference in our life. Some of you that are hearing it for the first time, you can, the, the, the mental brakes are just going, you know, this idea of look to the interest of others more than your own interest. You're like, well, wait a second, Mike, I just can't do that. I can't live that way. It will not work. That is not going to make me happy. There's no way that's going to work out for the good, right? That's how we feel. But then when you get to verse 5, Paul connects us to the why behind this command. This is why it gets so important. Verse 5, in your relationships, remember, that's what we're talking about. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And if you could look at the tense that it was written in, this is actually a command. Literally, Paul is saying, I command you to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. I command you. And then he gives us a description of what that attitude was like. Verse 6. Who being in very nature, being, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Do you know what that means? It means that when Jesus, think about this now, when Jesus was on this earth, he never pulled rank. You'll never find a place where Jesus said, it's because I'm God and I said so, so just do it. You know, he, he never did stuff like that. Jesus wouldn't go to Disney with the disciples and expect to be put into the front of the line. He didn't act like a VIP. He didn't go to a restaurant and expect the best table. He didn't go around flashing the God card. He never did that. Jesus never, ever pulled rank. Now, I, you know, we, we, we say that, and that sounds so great in theory, but it's hard to do. I mean, I just experienced it recently. We had our staff retreat, which is, is, is just mass chaos. We, we rent a beach house, the biggest beach house we could find, and the biggest beach house we could find sleeps 28 people. Well, there's 45 to 48 guys who go on the beach retreat. And so the guys leave on Sunday afternoon and go down to a Wednesday, and then they bring in a cleaning crew. I don't know why before the ladies come down. And then the ladies come down Wednesday afternoon and stay to Saturday. And it can be anywhere from 45 to 50 crowded into one house. And that's, that's our retreat. So, you know, we have to, there's like three or four in a room. Like I have to share a, vet, a, a bed with Gary Vett, but it's okay because he sleeps on top of the cover, so that's cool. And then you put a couple of people on the floor. And uh, so anyway, I get there, and, and my, ad, my assistant, she signed me up for space to sleep. You have to do that. And I'm supposed to be in the master suite, which, you know, makes sense. I'm the master, right? And so, um, and uh, so I get there and they say it's, it's on the middle floor. So I go to the bedroom, nice bedroom, but I walk in the bathroom. It's like a tub. You got to step in, shower curtain. I'm like, well, this doesn't seem like a, a master suite and a beach house this size, you know, but it's okay. So I throw my stuff on the bed and I walk upstairs and there's Joe and Donnie and they're in the bedroom above me, which is identical, but it has this incredible view. And, and then I walk into the bathroom. It's like a bright light comes on. I mean, there's a jacuzzi tub and a big walk-in shower. And I walk back out and I said, sorry, boys, your room is downstairs. <laughs> Jesus never did that. See, even though he could have. He took his position when he came to this earth. He took his position, he took his rank, and he said, you know what, I'm just going to set it right over here. In other words, even though he outranked everybody, he never leveraged it for his own good. 
His attitude was, you know what? I've got the rank, but I'm just going to kind of keep it right here in my back pocket because that's secondary to your needs. And then Paul writes this letter and he says, as a Christian, as hard as it is, that's the attitude that I want you to have. Verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the form, by, by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That, that tells us that not only did Jesus set aside his rank, he set aside his rights. In fact, all the gospels tell us that when Jesus came to this earth, he came as a servant. And he leveraged his power, not for his own sake. He leveraged all of his power for the sake of the people that God had placed in his life. And now Paul writes this letter and he says, out of reverence for the one who did that for you, as Christians, I want you to get in the habit of doing that for one another. I want you to get in the habit of leveraging your rank, your right, your power for the people around you instead of for yourself. That's what it means to submit to one another. Now, here's the big question, and Paul answers it in verse 8. How far do you take this? I mean, even as a Christian, if you live your life this way, how far do you take this? Because some of you are thinking, well, Mike, practically it doesn't even make sense. Always put other people ahead of yourself. I mean, you couldn't even hold down a job. You get to work every day. There's the elevator. You hold the door. No, you go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. After you, after you. Well, it's full. I'll catch the next one. By the time it gets back, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, it's full again. I'll catch it. You're late for work. You get fired. I mean, you can't, even, you can't even hold a job if you live your life this way. It's not practical. See, some of you are thinking, Mike, explain this to me. How far do you go? Because if you live like this, you won't ever get the best seats at church. I, I watch you come in. I see how you come to the end row. All you end rows, you get that seat. You plop down everybody else. If you want to sit on this row, good luck. This is my seat. I got here first. Because the minute I say amen, you're at the Golden Corral beating the Methodist. You know what I'm saying? So you're not moving. So, Mike, if you leave, I mean, if you put the needs of others ahead of yourself, you're never going to get the good seat at church. In fact, you got to park in the shuttle lot and take the Six Flags Over Jesus shuttle down to the building. <laughs> which means you got to get there 15, 20 minutes early just to get your kids checked in, even to get a chance of catching some of the music. How far do you really take this? Well, Paul answers it for us, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Now, here's the key word, even death on a cross. You know what it means when it says Jesus humbled himself? It means that Jesus placed himself under people. I mean, think about this. It means that the, the Son of God allowed some smelly Roman soldier to manhandle him. Think about that. The Son of God allowed people to spit on him. The Son of God allowed people to verbally abuse him. He allowed people to nail him to the cross for the sake of others. Paul says, I want you to understand that's how far Jesus took this whole idea of putting other people ahead of yourself. Rank wasn't an issue. His rights weren't an issue. Respect that he deserved wasn't an issue. He took the issues of rank and rights and respect, and he said, I'm just going to set it aside. And Paul says, now he says to us, out of respect for me, out of respect for what I did for you on your behalf, I want you to submit to one another. And again, we struggle with how far do I take it? And if Jesus could answer that for us today, I think this would be his response. He would say this. You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. 
But let me tell you how far I took it. For you, I took it to the point of death, even death on a cross. I mean, it's really interesting when you think about it. It's almost as if Jesus had a dilemma. I don't think Jesus had a dilemma, but I don't know how else to describe it. When Jesus came to this earth, he could have pulled rank. He could have demanded his rights. When he came to this earth, he could have demanded everything he deserved, or he could choose to enter into a relationship with mankind. But understand, he couldn't have it both ways. And maybe you've never thought about this, and it's because of this reason. If Jesus would have held on to his rank, if he would have held on to his rights, if he would have held on to the respect that was due him, see, he would have never died. He would have never allowed that to happen. And if he would have never died, there would never have been a sacrifice that could pay for our sins. And if there had never been a sacrifice that could pay for our sins, there would have never been a way for us to be reconciled back to God so we would have the opportunity of being extended an invitation to be in a relationship with God. So when Jesus came to this earth, it was like, hmm, what I deserve or a relationship? And he decided, I'm going to go with relationship. And when he made that decision, you got to understand as his followers, he gave us a pattern to follow, and it's this. And this is where it gets tough. <laughs> relationship always takes precedence over our rights. Relationship always takes precedence over what we think we deserve. Relationships always takes precedence over our rank. See, this is the dilemma that Jesus faced. He answered once and for all. This is the dilemma that we face every day. Are we willing to sacrifice our rights, the respect we think we deserve, and our rank for a relationship with the people that God has placed in our lives, regardless of how difficult they are, regardless of how screwed up they are, regardless of how dysfunctional they are, regardless of how much they've hurt us? Jesus says, I want you to do that. Not because it works, even though it does. Not because when you do this, you'll somehow benefit from it, even though you may. Not because it'll fix your marriage, even though it probably will. Not even because they're worth submitting to. He says, I just want you to do it out of reverence and respect for me. And just as I place their needs ahead of my own needs when I die for their sins, I'm simply asking you to go in that relationship as far as you can go without losing your mind. <laughs> to go as far as you can possibly go without putting yourself in danger. To submit to one another out of reverence and respect for me. And Jesus says, you know, when you do that, you're just giving me like big time major league gratitude for what I did for you. Let me show you the most amazing thing about this passage, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now let me just give you a little quiz. Look around the world. Has every knee bowed to Jesus Christ, yes or no? Hello? Let's try that one more time. It's not a trick question, okay? <laughs> Has every knee on planet Earth bowed to Jesus Christ, yes or no? Yeah. Has every tongue on this planet, every person acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of God, yes or no? Why hasn't it happened? 
That's rhetorical. You don't have to answer that one. I'll tell you why. And this is the most interesting part of the passage. It's because our Savior continues to wait on getting what he rightfully deserves for the sake of the people that he still doesn't have a relationship with. Now, this part's going to sound kind of weird if you're not a Christian. <laughs> but when you follow a guy that died and three days later came back from the dead, you just believe what he said. Okay, he's got credentials, right? This is what Jesus said. Remember he died? Easter, three days later, he came back to life. He hung out on earth for 40 days with a lot of people. Acts 1.8, he ascended back to heaven. This is what Jesus said. One day I'm going to come back. One day I'm going to come back. And when I come back, the whole world's going to know I'm back. They're going to see me come back. Now, that used to bother me. As a kid, I'm like, how is that possible? How can we all see him come back? But now that we have satellites and drones and CNN, right? You know, it could happen. I mean, we have the technology. But basically, Jesus says, I'm going to come back. Everybody is going to know I'm back. Everybody is going to watch while it happens. And he says, when I return, every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that I am who I've said that I am. You know what it's going to be like? You ever touch something hot? You don't think about, do I want to let it go or not? It's just a natural reaction. Or something quickly is coming towards your face. And what do you do? You flinch, you blink. You can't stop yourself from doing that. I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ returns the next time, it is going to be so incredible. It's going to be so awesome. You won't even think about it. You will drop to your knees and you will profess, oh, wow, Mike was right, you know. <laughs> Maybe not that. Maybe my mama was right. But somebody's right, you know. And he's going to establish his kingdom. And he's going to rule forever and ever and ever. And he's going to get all the glory and all the rank and all the right and all the respect he deserves. Do you know why he's yet to show up and get that glory he deserves? It's because he, he knows when he comes back next time, it's all over. He knows that when he comes back the next time, mankind is going to lose the opportunity to freely choose to follow him. He knows, yeah, you're going to drop to your knees and you're going to proclaim that I really am the son of God. But he knows at that point, nobody gets to freely choose anymore. And so when you think about it, the reason that Jesus is still waiting to return, the reason that he still has not received the respect and honor and glory he deserves, all that he has coming to him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this. It's because he continues to put the potential to have a relationship with you over what he's got coming. He continues to put the potential to have a relationship with you over what he deserves because he knows the day that he returns and receives the glory and respect and honor that's due him. There are going to be people who don't have a relationship with him and it's going to be too late. And so for the potential of a relationship with you, he continues to put his rights on hold. But he says to me, Mike, while I wait, this is what I want from you. I want you to submit to the people around you. I want you to put them first. And when you do, it shows incredible reverence and respect for me. Can you imagine what your family would look like if everybody mutually submitted to one another? Can you imagine what a marriage would look like if both parties mutually submitted to one another? How about your business? How about our church? How about our community? 
You know, we talk about reaching the triangle and changing the world. Let me tell you, this is the key. It'll never happen till we begin to submit to one another, till we begin to put the needs of other people ahead of our own needs. See, we have to get to the point where instead of spending all of our financial resources on ourselves, we realize that God has told us to put the needs of others ahead of ourselves, and we start giving as God has given to us. And we quit sitting around on our butts waiting for everybody to serve us. And we realize, ooh, there are other people that I need to put ahead of myself. So we get off our butts and we begin to serve other people. It's when we submit. It's when we begin to put the needs of others ahead of ourselves. And God says this, if you're waiting on the other person, you're never going to do it. So he says, I'm asking you to go first. I'm asking you to submit, not out of reverence to them. I'm asking you to do it out of reverence for your Savior who puts you first. And I'll just tell you, I'm not smart enough to tell you how this works out in every scenario, and, and I'm not smart enough to tell you how far to take it in all of your relationships. So, I mean, don't even email me, because I, I know you're all going to say, but Mike, this is my story. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not smart enough. You're going to have to ask for God to work in your life. But here's the goal. Here's the thing to focus on. Paul says this. Focus on this. Don't focus on the person. Submit to one another out of reverence for your Savior who submitted on your behalf and put the needs of others ahead of your own needs. And you understand when we live that way, it is an incredible statement of our understanding. It's like the light finally goes on and we understand, oh yeah, now I get what Jesus did for me. It is an incredible act of worship. Let's bow together. Now, let me just say this. If you're here this morning, and I don't normally, but let me just say this. If you're here this weekend and you're not a Christian, I mean, you've been, you've been kind of kicking the tires of Christianity and you've been listening and observing from a distance. I'm going to tell you something, not as someone who's trying to scare you. I'm just going to tell you something as a friend. One day Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, those of us who have accepted the gift that he's given us in salvation, in other words, Jesus died on the cross so that our sins could be paid for, so that we could be reconciled back to God. Three days later, he came back to life to validate and verify that he is who he says he is. Those of us who have accepted that free gift of salvation, he will destroy this earth, he will rebuild it, it will be in its original pristine condition, and we will live with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And you say, Mark, that sounds so weird, yeah, but as I said, when you got a guy who died and came back to life, we believe what he says. The other side of that is all the people who chose to reject him. Who says, I don't really need a relationship with God. I can get there on my own if I need one. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. And so those who reject him or don't accept him will spend all of eternity in a place called hell. That's not pretty. And I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to know what the Bible says. Now, what you do with it, you got to decide. But I'm telling you, the reason that Jesus waits is because of the potential of being in a relationship with you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. And when you enter into that relationship, your sins are forgiven, past, present, future. Not only that, you're guaranteed eternal life with Jesus Christ. Not only that, he will empower you to live the life and be the person right now on this earth that he created you to be. It's very simple. Jesus, I accept who you are as the son of God. 
I accept the gift of salvation that was made possible through your death on the cross. And I invite you into my life to follow you. Father, I just pray right now for people, hopefully, who will make that decision. Because you're patient. <laughs> because you're, you, you're not willing, 2 Peter 3, 9, for any to perish. But all to repent. All to come into a relationship with you. That's your desire. And I pray for those who are right there ready to make that decision, that they would make it for you today. And Father, you know that this is so much easier to talk about than it is to actually live out. I want to pray for the husbands and wives who, who've sat here this weekend with their, with their arms crossed and in their mind they're thinking, I'm not going first. Father, I would pray in your grace and in your mercy, would you give one or the other the courage to focus on what happened on their behalf at the cross so they would say, out of reverence for you, God, I am submitting. Even if I don't even get anything out of it, I'm submitting. Father, I pray for the students here who are still under someone's authority. Maybe, maybe it's someone's authority at home. Maybe it's the campus where they go to school. I pray that you would just give them an understanding that to submit out of reverence for you is an incredible statement of gratitude. Father, I pray for those here that work for unreasonable bosses and the last thing they want to do is, is to serve and submit to that person. Just give us a glimpse of what it would look like to go into the workplace on Monday with an attitude that says, this isn't about where I work. This isn't about who I work for. Out of reverence for my Savior, I'm going to submit. Father, for any of us here who are struggling in a relationship Wanting our own way, pulling rank, we have to have our rights. I pray that you would give us the courage for the sake of what you've done for us to submit to one another. We pray all of these things in your glorious son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 